I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So is Bob Stoops getting closer to becoming the primetime coach at Florida State? Did Joe Burrow at LSU take the lead in the Heisman Trophy race? Which quarterback will the Gators settle on next season? And in what scenario does Florida have to root for Jimbo Fisher? We're talking college football with Times reporter Matt Baker on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Burstick. Hey, folks, the weather's cooling off a little bit. That's good news. But you know what? You're always paying these high electric bills no matter what, and we got to start saving money. So if you want to save 90 to 95% off your electric bill, listen to me now. May Electric Solar. That's right. They're a locally owned company, and May Electric Solar is the safest solar available. They don't use high voltage like many other companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all their equipment and labor. They have a full showroom that's open weekdays. You can see their products. And May Electric Solar has been around for 12 years. Now, they've earned a great reputation with their customers and peers. There are many other solar companies out there imitating them and trying to use their great name. But remember, they don't use subcontractors and they do not subcontract for any other company in any way. So everyone knows it has to be May all the way. So stop the insanity, these out-of-control electric bills. Let's start saving now. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. And if you do it right now, there's still some time to save and receive a 30% tax credit through 2019 by changing to solar energy. So call the real May Electric at 727-819-2862. All right, Matt Baker joins us now. As always, big week in college football. Got a lot to talk about, but no bigger story, certainly in this state and maybe nationally for the moment, is the Florida State coaching search. Odell Hagens has not lost a game as an interim coach, and they have a chance uh, this weekend uh, again to to win two in a row. But where does it stand, Matt? Because, you know, we heard early on, we heard Bob Stoops' name. Um, you know, I, I, I guess they're, you know, Deion Sanders was thrown out there for a minute. Oh, um, Rick, Rick, <laughs> why we got to go there? Rick. Well, I'm just, I'm just listing all the prime candidate, prime time candidates for you here, oh, Matt. See what I did oh there? Oh my God. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so tell me that what separate fact from fiction for me, where, where are they in this process? Do you think? Well, well let's start with the fiction. Shall we? Um, <laughs> The the fiction is that Deion Sanders had any remote possibility of this. That was I, I wrote on on Twitter that it was a dumb story, and we're all dumber for having even wasted a second of our life on it. Um, mm-hmm. He, as you pointed out, he's an NFL Network employee, and an NFL Network employee happens to to put this story out that he, he's a candidate, and um, nobody that I know of in college football is specific you know, nationally or with Florida state had heard him as a remote possibility. So that kind of tells you where it might've come from. Um, Florida state needs a, a proven, they want a proven coach. They want um, somebody who can bring discipline and kind of, you know, get some respectability back to the program. So you're going to hire a guy who's never been a college coach, who's coaching, you know, his coaching experience is at the under armor all America game. And I think it was three years at his now defunct charter school that was 
besieged by scandal. No, get out of here. Um, so that's fiction. Um, fact is, there's Bob Stoops traction. Um, late last week, everybody kind of started getting quiet, I, I think, and to some degree kind of early this week. And I think, you know, and it makes sense when you think about it, because um, FSU hired the search firm last Tuesday, and it was going to take them a little bit of time. Okay, what are you guys really looking for? Who might be on the market? What, let's talk some numbers. Let's do some vetting, that sort of thing. So it was going to take a little bit of time while, while work went on behind the scenes. Um, on, on, we're recording this on, on Wednesday morning. On, on Tuesday night, I started hearing some more chatter about Bob Stoops as a, a legitimate possibility. Um, I, I still have some concerns and some questions about that. So here, here's what I think. I, I think. I think FSU really wants Bob Stoops. I think they're willing to do just about anything they can financially or, or administratively to make it happen. I, I just don't know whether Bob Stoops wants Florida State. Now he's got it. We've talked about this before, but he's got a really good gig right now with the XFL, where he can be a coach but doesn't have to do all the recruiting. Um, He's, he would be walking into a program that has a ton of tradition and everything, but it's not going to have a great roster. Administratively, it is not in good shape compared to what he had at Oklahoma, where year in, year out, he had one of the most talented rosters in the country and had the same boss, I think, for 19 years or 18 years, whatever it was. So th there's some serious issues that I see with why he might want Florida State. But if he really wants to get back into coaching, there's not a whole lot of better jobs in the country than this. So that's kind of where I think things are right now. Um, he's still very much, in Florida State's mind, a possibility. But I, I'm not saying a, there's a deal in place or a done deal or anything like that. Yeah, the things you've, we've talked about that, that resonates with me with Stoop is one, Stoops is one that you would think that Florida State would want a long-term solution. I don't know how long. Bob Stoops wants to coach. I mean, he's not an old man by any stretch, especially in, in coaching rooms. But um, he's approaching sixty. And then, and then the other thing is that they're going to change, you know, the administration. So whoever hires him is not going to be there in a few years, um, or even even less. So would that concern Stoops as well? Uh, that you know he'd be walking into a situation where he doesn't know who his AD eventually will be. Uh, it absolutely, and it should. I mean. If Stoops does well, it's not like he's going to get fired, right? Like, I don't, I don't see that sure. happening. Um, but your concern is if you're going to be working for this guy, you want to make sure you get along with him, you like him, you respect him, you kind of see eye to eye in terms of what what you need, what you don't need, that sort of thing. So th those are legitimate kind of concerns that I see with this working out. Um, but, uh, you know, again, if this is if he wants to get back into college coaching, this would probably be the best job on the market for him. I, you know, I still think USC is going to come on the market, and I think USC sure. as a whole is a better job. But this might be the best job for Stoops right now. So, I mean, w we'll see. There, there's going to be other possibilities, too. Um, I think if something doesn't happen by early next week with Stoops, then I think FSU really moves down the list. And uh, then I think kind of the best-case scenario would be like, like what the Gators did when they hired Mullen in, in seventeen. Where the game ends on Saturday, on Sunday they announce the coach, on Monday they introduce the coach, and then by Monday night he's on the road recruiting, getting his staff together, that sort of thing. Um, so if something doesn't happen, certainly within the next week with Stoops, I would think that's kind of the best case scenario for the Knowles. So who are the usual suspects or the new suspects that we would think that the Florida State moved on from Bob Stoops that uh, we would be we would we would hear as far as possible candidates? 
Yeah, Mike Norvell, the Memphis coach, is a name that's come up a decent amount. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then it's just, you know, it, the, the fact that there haven't been a lot of other candidates aside from Neon Dion, maybe, allegedly, um, tells me that they probably are pushing pretty hard on Stoops right now. Because eventually, mm-hmm. if, if it doesn't work out, they're going to have to look to, to somebody else. And, and I, I know, right. you know Mike Norvell is a name that I think they've done some some, some looking on. Um, and then, mm-hmm. you know, at a certain point, too, Mark Stoops would become a guy that I think would get a lot more attention. Um, they don't need to do a ton of legwork on him because he's a known commodity to FSU, ha- having been an assistant there. But I, I certainly think, you know, I-, I would say if it's not Bob Stoops, I still think Mark Stoops is the favorite. This is a this is a, a question I know the answer to, but uh, I'm going to ask it anyway. If Odell Higgins goes on a run here at the end of the season, and let's say they upset Florida or something crazy like that, would they consider him? Well, if he goes from three and Odell to five and Odell with, with a win, with <laughs> a win over, that. I know, right? Um, I wish I could take credit for it, but I, I can't. Um, if he were to beat Florida. I suppose we'd have to. There, there'd have to be a conversation had. Um, uh, but a, I don't see it happening. B, I don't know if he wants the job. And, and C, I mean, he's never been. Not only has he never been a head coach, other than the the interim stints, he's never been a coordinator. So yeah. there's a big jump from you sure. know, position coach to head coach. If anybody could do it at FSU, it, it would be him. But I think there'd be some serious. Uh, there'd be some growing pains there, and and I don't. Again, I also don't know if he wants it because that's a obviously a demanding job, even more so than 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 being an assistant coach. Um, so I think he was probably be pretty happy uh, being, hopefully for his sake, being able to stay on as a defensive line coach at FSU because he's done that at a really really high level and recruited at a high level. Um, so I, I've gone from thinking it's not going to happen to maybe there's a possibility, but I, I think he it'd have to be a win over Florida, that sort of situation to really kind of make things turn in that direction. Sure. Sure. I, I think you're right. Let's talk about, uh, before we get into this week's games, uh, you know, last Saturday, one of the highest rated college football games, um, on television. Uh, and I think it lived up to its billing and then some, of course, LSU going into Tuscaloosa and beating Alabama with Joe Burrow starring in that game against Tua Tagovailoa, who was heroic in, in that he played on, uh, I think, which was, was seriously, injured ankle but that aside um first of all your thoughts about the game and also how much uh did joe burrow help himself in the heisman trophy race yeah i mean i think joe's pretty clearly the favorite right now um there's some other you know obviously other really good quarterbacks in there that should be in the discussion tua um even though he's been banged up is playing at an extremely high level over the course of the season um Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma has been putting up ridiculous numbers and you know, still put up very nice numbers in the close win over Iowa State uh, on Saturday. And then maybe, I mean, honestly, one of the better defensive or better players in the country, Chase Young at Ohio State, who's, who's been suspended, um, their, their pass rusher. But I'm going to give a strong look pro- probably to, to Derek Brown, the Auburn um, defensive tackle, who's just been an absolute monster this year. So, But mm-hmm. to me right now, Joe Burrow is, is clearly the front runner for the Heisman. Uh, in terms of just kind of the game as a whole, I mean, LSU is really, really good. Uh, Alabama is still a very good team. Uh, they're still going to be very much in the, the playoff mix, even though their resume will not be good. But uh, Alabama has weaknesses. 
you know, specifically you look at the defense. This is not just one of the Nick Saban great defenses like 11 or something like that. This this is a defense that's talented. They've had a ton of injuries, specifically at linebacker. And I think their uh, secondary hasn't you know hasn't progressed at, at quite the level they needed to, to to play a team like LSU that, that can throw the ball all the way around the field. And uh, to me, this just kind of reinforced. I, I knew LSU was really good. I, I knew I've known that for a while. Not breaking any news. Was really impressed when I saw them in Baton Rouge against the Gators. But at this point with the resume they have, they're the best team in the country. And um, very much, I would probably say either them and Ohio State are the two favorites to win the national championship. So, you know, give credit to Ed Orgeron and, and Joe Brady, uh, their their passing game coordinator, for what they've done there in Baton Rouge this year. Well, Joe Brady's done, done a great job with them, of course. And uh, for Alabama, you know, the, their problem is they just don't have any big wins. I mean, they beat Texas A&M. There's not many left on the schedule. The Auburn game, obviously, in the Iron Bowl, but they're still sitting here at fifth. So, what are their prospects of maybe getting back into the college football playoff race here? They're still very much in the mix, but I don't know how it's going to shake out. I mean, I think that obviously the best case scenario, obviously, Alabama would have to win out, but the Auburn game, that the Iron Bowl at the end of the year, is going to be huge for them because there's a good chance. Oregon ends up as a one-loss Pac-12 champion. Oregon's only loss to Auburn. So mm. if, uh, and that was at a neutral site in the opener. So if Bama yeah. can not only beat Auburn, uh, you know, at Jordan-Hare, but maybe they win soundly by two touchdowns or three touchdowns, really put it on, then you've got the committee's going to have a direct head-to-head comparison between uh, Bama and Oregon with the, the common opponent. That's something that could swing in Alabama's favor, particularly if they keep winning decisively the rest of the way. But but there's other teams in there, too. I mean, there, what's the possibility that Minnesota finishes 12-0, and loses maybe a close game to, to Ohio State and for the Big Ten championship? Then we're looking at a 12-1 and um, Minnesota. Maybe that's a playoff team uh, with, with the yeah. resume they'd have. Um, again, what, what if Utah ends up being the one-loss Pac-12 champ? And then you've got Oklahoma in the mix, although I think Bama... I test that sort of stuff. I think uh, the committee would give Bama the edge. So there's a lot of moving parts still here. Um, but I absolutely think well, right now, what I think I know about the playoff is LSU is almost certainly in um, and Bama is still not out of it yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they're sitting there at five and there's, you know, some games ahead of uh, teams ahead of them. They have some tough games coming up. So we'll see. What happens in the next few weeks? Uh, Matt, you wrote a story. I, th- I thought it was really good on uh, the University of Florida's quarterback situation. Of course, Florida goes to Missouri and will try to uh, defeat the Tigers. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, uh, I guess as we sit here, we don't know what Felipe Franks is necessarily thinking. He could come back and play. It looks like he wouldn't be ready for spring necessarily. But then they still have Kyle Trask, and, and it seems like, you know, um, they're very, you know, very pleased with what he's been able to do. Um, and then their young quarterback they really like as well. So, I mean, we exactly how are they going to work this out, you think, in Emory Jones? I don't have a great answer. And that's why, to me, it's so interesting. Um, you know, Florida still has a lot to play for, for for the rest of the season. I mean, they still got a chance at 10 or if you include the bowl, 11 wins. Still alive for the East right now, New Year's Six Bowl, all that stuff. But Florida-Missouri is not the most interesting game in the world. So I'm already kind of thinking what's what's interesting about this game that's going to set up for the future. And, and the quarterback 
situation is certainly part of it. Um, because I don't, I just don't know how it's going to go. I could see Felipe coming back. I could see Felipe leaving as a grad transfer because he'll graduate in, in in December. At least he was on track to last I checked. I could see him going pro in baseball. I could see him going pro in football. None of those things would surprise me. Kyle Trask, you know, has has done what he he had hoped he'd be able to do, which is play at a high level, finally get his chance. He he has another year left, but he doesn't have to stay. I mean, he's already got his degree. Um, and, and Emory Jones, you know, just the way quarterbacks are, it, you know, Rick Neuheisel line, if you're not starting, you're departing. So could he stay? Absolutely. Could he end up winning the starting job? Sure. I don't see why not. But he could also transfer and, and enter the portal, and he wouldn't be the first quarterback to do that and wouldn't even be the first in his uh, 2018 class. So there's so many different ways this all could go. And, and what's interesting, too, is they're all very different. You know, Felipe's got the best arm, just in terms of, of arm talent. Um, mm. Trask is probably the most accurate and has proven himself to be capable in making the right decisions in, in his time this year. Emory, in some ways, has the most upside because he's got a good arm and he's the best runner of the three. And remember, he's the guy that Mullen signed in his first class to be his kind of quarterback of the future. It got him away from Ohio State there in December. So... I just have no idea how it's going to shake out. Mullen's not ready to talk about that, not ready to think about that. That Those are conversations for, for December and, and January, but that doesn't stop us from talking about it because it's a fascinating, uh, fascinating dynamic there right now. He doesn't want to talk about it with you. I guarantee you there's a lot of discussion about it in those coaches' offices. And, and, and my interpretation of this, uh, Matt, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, and I don't know what Felipe Franks is, you know, what his desire is, whether it's baseball or if he thinks he's going to come back from this injury and try to compete. He's not going to lose Emory Jones. Emory Jones, to me, is their future. Uh, and, you know, he said something to you, uh, when you when, in your story that I read a quote about, you know, if we can just get him to be more consistent because he has such big playmaking ability but you can't hit the home run on every play. But you look at college football and, and the ability for these guys to, to make plays with their feet in – and in, and with their arm, I think Jones is, is who he sees as a guy that could win an SEC title for him. And, and I think he might be right. Um, it, again, Mullins' thing, he doesn't need a running quarterback. He needs a willing runner. But yeah. if you've got a guy that's a Tebow or um, Dak to some degree, who, who's not mm. only a willing runner but a really good one, that yeah. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Puts you just a notch above. So I think there's, you know, he definitely fits what Mullen wants. And again, that's why Mullen took him to begin with. Um, put, you know, put a ton of uh, stock in him recruiting, I think even when he was at Mississippi State. Um, mm. So there, there's a lot of reasons to think he would be the guy. It's just a matter of is he, how much is he progressing? Because what, what you said, making the unspectacular plays. That's the same stuff Mullen said about Felipe Franks. That's just a young quarterback thing who's growing. So the question is, is Emory growing fast enough right now? Or maybe the better question, how much will he grow in the spring and the summer 
to maybe have a chance to unseat Felipe Franks and or Kyle Trask to earn the starting job uh, next year. I think it's the open against Eastern uh, Washington, if I remember right. So how much can he grow between now and then to have a chance of being the starter and kind of being the guy everybody thought he would be? That's a great point. And the competition will certainly make him better in that in that instance. Florida is at Missouri. Uh, they've had trouble in the past with the Tigers. This doesn't look to be that kind of Missouri team. Uh, any concerns for Florida this weekend? Concerns, sure, I, I guess. I mean, Missouri is not bad. Um, you know, for, for a while in the midseason, they were in that 10 to 15 range of some of the advanced metrics. Since then, though, they've kind of dropped like a rock. I mean, they lost to Vandy, lost by three touchdowns to Kentucky team that's, you know, had banged up at quarterback and then just got blown out uh, and shut out by Georgia. So concerns, the concerns, I guess, would be uh, it's on the road. It's a noon kick, which is 11 local time. It's going to be kind of sleepy. It's going to be cold. So weird things could kind of happen. But realistically, no. I, Florida is a much better team, even though they're, they're clearly not at 100%. Um, I, I'm going to see how Kelly Bryant, the Clemson transfer, um, who's been banged up at quarterback for Mizzou, he's expected to play, and he's feeling pretty close to healthy right now. So I'm going to see how he does against this Gator defense, but I, I think Florida wins pretty handily here. USF is going to host Cincinnati if you do the daisy chain thing. I mean, USF beat East Carolina. East Carolina gave Cincinnati all they can handle. Um, each game seems to be harder and harder for the Bulls right now. And Willie and um, Charlie Strong, I'm going to say Taggart for a reason, getting these guys confused. Charlie Strong. So, where are we at with Charlie? I mean, is he going to get every chance? Uh, if they don't win these games, but play very, very well, let's. I mean, winning is obviously the 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 big best deodorant, as John Madden used to say. But but let's say they they come out and and they they have good showings against these you know these next two opponents. Uh, is there a scenario you think where where absolutely the administration says you know what Charlie's got this turned in the right direction we're going to stay with him and um, or or is it just this this season is, seems to be lost at this point? Well. I guess the season's not technically lost because they can still go to a bowl game. Again, True. we've talked about how hard their schedule is at the end. Cincinnati top 20 team, Memphis top 20 team at UCF, which is still a top 40 team, and it's there mm -hmm. and it's the rival and all that stuff. I don't see a win there. So mm. the, your, your question, if they're making progress and being competitive, is that enough? In that scenario... The, the, over the, the final 18 games, if it goes, you know, so the rest of the season goes, I expect. Over the final 18 games of Charlie Strong, they would have been 4-14. Four and 14. And mm. two, of the, two of the four, two of the four wins, were a 1-double-A in UConn, which is pretty much a 1-double-A. It's really hard to squint and say there's a lot of progress being made at that point. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I certainly don't expect USF to make a move or anything like that during the season. I think they're going to give him the chance. And maybe... Just beating UCF at the end would be enough to kind of pound your chest and say, you know what, we, we've got a statement win. Maybe we maybe we are doing something. Um, and I know I don't think USF certainly wants to get rid of him. It, it's a program that's not kind of some similarities with FSU in that uh, it's not overrun with cash. They they don't want to spend the money to got, pay a guy not to coach. They want to put that money toward the the. Uh, football complex, the indoor facility that USF desperately needs. They want to put it toward infrastructure and making the program better rather than paying somebody to go away. But yeah. at a certain point, 
they it just you know like like with Willie at FSU at a certain point it makes too much sense and too much financial sense to get rid of the guy rather than keep him. So I, things are certainly not good. Um, and Charlie really needs to win one of these next three, I think, to make a case that, that he can, you know, to prove that he can turn this back around and get ahead in the right direction. Is there any chance that, uh, that there might be another team, another school out there, even uh, say in Arkansas that, that looks at this situation and says, you know what, that's not on Charlie. That's USF. That's an impossible, uh, you know, scenario. We've got more resources here. Could could he get an offer someplace? Well, he's he's he will certainly if if he wants he'll be coaching somewhere next year, no matter what happens. I don't know that it's okay. as a head coach. Um, okay. I mean, the fact is, he would have again. We're we're getting into hypothetical land, but he he would have failed at his last two jobs, right? Because the Texas right. tenure did not yes. go well. He started well mm-hmm. at USF, and then it would have you know gone down the, the wrong track. So, is it mm-hmm. is it? I think that's kind of a hard sell to a program like Arkansas or what have you that um, to, to try and hire a guy after those last two stints. But there's certainly lower programs than that, where, where you, you know a, a lower level G5. Or I'm sure if you wanted to be a coordinator somewhere and, and hop back in that way, he would be he would be very much in demand as a coordinator at a high level program. I am quite sure of that. Yeah. For sure, Florida State. We mentioned there at Alabama against Alabama State. I don't see much trouble. Uh, it'll be what four, four or five in Odell Higgins at that point. Um, four in Odell. Seminoles. Four in Odell at that four, point. Yeah. Four, four in Odell. So I expect that to happen. Some interesting national games. Um, Georgia is <laughs> I, like all... I like how you say, Rick. I expect that to happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I expect the game uh, to happen. I, I mean, I, I'm pretty you know, sure they'll I kick mean, off. I know. Kick I know. Off I'm and giving then, you a hard and time. then I think Florida State might eke it out. It'd be something if they didn't, but I, I, I'm not. I'm not big on Alabama State's chances right now. Uh, Georgia's at Auburn, and this game um, is obviously very important, really, to both teams, but to Georgia in particular. Look, Auburn's a pretty good team, especially at home. I, I'm wondering about the Bulldogs and just kind of what their psyche is right now. But this is an interesting game to me. I think this is going to be really competitive. I think so too. You know, it's a, it's a, it's not the top rivalry for either school, but it's still right. an intense rivalry. Um, Auburn is a good team. We, we, you look at you look at them and you look at their record and everything. They might be end up being an eight four team, but they're going to be a this is silly. They're going to be a really good eight and four team. Um, I, I still like Gus Malzahn as a coach. Uh, Bo Nix has been, you know, I think he's done pretty decent, all things considered, at, at quarterback. Their defense is really really good. I mean, a couple of minutes ago I was talking about a defensive tackle, Derek Brown, maybe being on my Heisman ballot. That's not something you say very often, but uh, their their defense is really good, and I absolutely think they can uh, they, they can challenge Georgia. So th- this game has a lot of ramifications. Obviously, it has uh, ramifications for Gus Malzahn's future in Auburn because you're just always on the hot seat at Auburn because that place is nuts. Um, it's curious you know, how it's going to affect Georgia in terms of the college football playoff. And then sure. it matters for the SEC East too. Like I, I know most of us, including myself, thought, assumed you know Florida loses to Georgia, that's the SEC East done. Everybody go home, nothing to see here. But Georgia could absolutely lose to Auburn. I'm not saying it'll happen, but it's certainly within the realm of possibility. And then, mm-hmm. assuming Florida beats Mizzou on Saturday, then the East comes down to whether uh, Georgia can beat Texas A&M. Uh, Jimbo. Jimbo has done a fine job, I guess, at A and M. Their the record's not going to show how good they are, but could Jimbo 
kind of rise up and have his Aggies ready to knock off Georgia? It's possible. Mm. And in which case, in, in that scenario, Florida win, win the East. So if Auburn wins on Saturday, and if Florida wins, then the Gators are going to be rooting for Jimbo Fisher. How about that? <laughs> How about that, right? <laughs> yeah, that's... That would be quite the uh, quite the scenario with with gritted teeth, I'm sure. Um, you know, the game last week that I really enjoyed uh, was Minnesota beating Penn State. Not that I'm an anti Nittany Lion fan or anything like that, but I know PJ Fleck a little bit, at least the, the short time he was in Tampa Bay. Um, it's unbelievable that the the Gophers are nine and zero. They, however, uh, get to do it again and and play a a pretty tough Iowa team uh, in Iowa. Do you think they uh, you think they make it ten in a row for the Gophers? I think they do. I don't feel great about it because Iowa is a really really tough place to play, um, mm-hmm. and, and Iowa's got a really really good defense. But Penn State also had a really good defense, and, and Minnesota hung thirty one on them. So I think eventually this the the boat's gonna it's not gonna get capsized, but it's gonna run into a rock or something, and, and it's not gonna be. No, I don't think they're going to go 13 and no and go to the playoff. They just don't have the talent yet. But that's okay. They're still having. Do you know the last time they were nine and zero? Nineteen hundreds. I don't know. Nineteen oh four. So they're they're doing they're doing something they haven't done in more than a century. And to me, that's one of the really cool things and why I love this stupid sport. Because every now and then, a team like Minnesota will just. Everything will fall into place. The right coach, the right quarterback, a couple of recruits that they they got for one reason or another, and they do something historic, and everybody there gets excited. You know, we're, we're talking about Minnesota right now, which is not something a, a program we talk uh, a lot about on this podcast in, in previous years. Um, and the same thing with like Indiana, which is seven and two, um, which is something that they haven't done in, in a long time. So to me, that's one of the cool things about the sport is when you do have teams that are not known for having a lot of success have the you know everything the stars align and the gophers are nine and oh and in the top 10 and in the playoff mix in, in mid-november which is crazy that is crazy um one one game that uh you know look notre dame has had their up and down certainly they play navy matt i look at navy they've won five in a row they're seven and one um they're five and oh at home of course uh but uh five and one in the conference they're chasing smu this this is not your typical navy notre dame game is it no and and navy is not afraid of notre dame anymore you know the, the, they had the, the right. long losing streak against them that ended several years back navy is a scary team the triple option is the great a great equalizer for, for them sure. and, and for, for programs like, like Navy. And obviously, Ken Yamatololo's done a great job uh, for the midshipman over his career. Yeah, this one scares me for Notre Dame. Um, I, mm-hmm. I still think I like Notre Dame to win, but this should be a very, very competitive, low-key, uh, very interesting game to watch. Yeah, no, Navy will definitely try to uh, time a possession them. You don't get many chances on offense, so yep. that'll be a, f- a fun one uh, for sure. Okay, uh, the big game, college game day is there, so you know it's big. They're coming to your city. They're coming to Baylor. Oklahoma is at Baylor. This looks like it will decide, I guess, to some degree, uh, if not uh, emphatically, the uh, the Big 12 champion, uh, at least as far as who has the, the edge in the standings at this point. Well, yeah, and what's – because the Big 12 is so, I don't want to say they're silly. Because in some ways, the Big 12 does it right, because everybody plays everybody. But then the two best teams 
play in the in the the championship again, game yeah. later. So yeah, it's weird. That's they're they're weird. gonna yeah, these two teams are gonna meet again in what three weeks or something? Um, Probably, al- yeah, al- yeah, almost certainly. I, Baylor's nine and zero, and again, Matt Rule has done a fantastic job um, to get them from where they were when they cratered at the end of the Bryles disaster fiasco on field, off field, just that whole awful situation. To get them to nine and zero is is remarkable, um, but it's a really really soft nine and zero. Or even the, the games they've where they've beaten decent teams, they haven't looked dominant doing it. Um, mm-hmm. Their offensive line has not. I don't think they're 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 that great. The offense isn't that great. Um, but hey, nine and zero is nine and zero. Eventually, I think like kind of like Minnesota. I think he'll eventually catch up to them. And I think Oklahoma on Saturday is, is that opportunity. Just because OU's offense is going to put, they're going to score on anybody. And I don't think Baylor has the horses to match them, throw for throw or anything like that. So I, I think OU is going to put up too many points for uh, for the Bears to to have. Matt, we'll get you out on this. You wrote a story about, uh, of course, you know, we know Willie Taggart uh, in his second year is fired. Now Chad Morris at, at Arkansas, not all the way through year two. We've seen this in the NFL, but is this going to become more of a thing where, where college programs are going to jettison these guys before they really even get their feet on the ground? I think there's a good chance. There, there's two two uh, two parts of the, the Willie Taggart um Chad Morris, and to some degree, that um, Rutgers coaching situation as well, that, that are worth monitoring. Um, one is how quickly the plug is pulled in terms of their tenure. Because Chad Morris and Willie Taggart didn't even get two full seasons. Um, I think the, the situations are such, there's so much money at the, you know being put at these guys. E- each one was making at least four mil. That's mm. so much money to go out and struggle that much. And I think that's kind of ramped up the pressure even more. And just the, the the national attendance going down, and uh, obviously people want to see a winner. That's the easiest way to get butts in seats is, is win games. So just because of of those factors, there's financial components that, even though the buyouts are ridiculous, it makes sense in some cases to consider getting rid of coaches. So I think that's one reason why it might continue. Um, the the other reason, the other kind of component to this is, is the mid season firings. They've, they've happened before. This is not a new phenomenon or anything like that. I'm not going to pretend that it is. But I think it's just a very interesting thing to watch in the coming years. How many more midseason firings are we going to see for pure football reasons? Just because the early signing period. I mean, I can't stress enough how pivotal that has become in this sport. Um, if, if you're behind in December trying to sign recruits, Here's how the here's how the scenario works right now. Give me a second here, Rick. Um, but right now, most coaches like Dan Mullen, he wants to sign almost all of his guys in December, and then for the February period, when he's on the road recruiting in January, which used to be the big time to, to kind of secure your final commitments, he's going to get a couple guys. But really, he's looking at the next class. So in 2020, he's looking at 2021 and 2022. So what's going to happen then with an, the FSU situation, the new coach is going to come in. He needs as much time as possible before the December period to get as many guys as possible. So hopefully by January, he's also looking at 21 and 22. Because if he's looking instead at the trying to get most of his class in February, he's a year behind Dan Mullen. He's a year behind Kirby Smart. He's a year behind Ed Orgeron and Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney. That's hard to catch up on. It's not impossible. Mm. But that's putting him at a, dis- a disadvantage that, A, will hurt the, the first recruiting class, but it'll also hurt the second one. 
and then you're yeah. scrambling again. So you're always behind and trying to catch up. So that's why it's so pivotal that coaches get hired as soon as possible um, just to get them in the best position they can be for the early signing period. And that's why I think these midseason firings are going to happen more. So even if you can get a couple days or a week in terms of getting your coach in place sooner, that is huge for, for the, the current recruiting class and your future recruiting classes. And that's the, the lifeblood of your program. It's fascinating reading. You can read Matt Baker in the Tampa Bay Times or on tampabay.com. He joins us each week to talk college football, and we appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. You got it. Thanks, Rick. Hey, uh, folks, wake the kids, call the neighbors. We've got my former radio partner, Tom Jones, on the podcast tomorrow, former Tampa Bay Times columnist, now with the Pointer Institute. You don't want to miss that. And then myself and Eduardo Encino, my buddy cop, will – Preview the Bucks against the New Orleans Saints. Big game in Raymond James Stadium. Saints coming off a loss to Atlanta. The Bucks trying to make it two in a row. So we'll uh, dive into that game as well. Hey, and remember, folks, uh, if you want to save money on your electric bill, start doing that now. Call my friends at May Electric Solar. They're the best solar company available. And if you do that right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit through 2019 by changing to solar energy. Call the real May Electric at 727 727- 819-2862. For Steve Bursnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.